Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Say Something Interesting. The reason it's special today, uh, we're changing it up a bit. I've got, uh, I, I usually have my friend Megan across from me, uh, but today uh, it's a, a bit of a, a shift to the side. I'm not going to say upgrade because I don't want to like diss Megan in that way, but uh, I would say this person uh, has the Tri-City's largest Hello Kitty collection, and I just think it's amazing. <laughs> Travis, welcome. Tell us about it a little bit more. Like what... I, dude, I love how you, I love how you put on your podcast voice as soon as you get up to the oh, microphone. Oh, I do totally. You're like, oh, hey, how's it going, dude? Yeah, so this is What's Brent. Up? Welcome. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Uh, no, this is my friend Travis. Uh, Travis is uh, our Where Love director here at East Lake. Uh, does some operations for us as well. Has been uh, an East Laker before he even knew he was an East Laker. Um, the backstory is uh, that he shows up at a, as a what, 16, 17 year old when we were, no, you're older than that probably. probably I think probably 19. 19. It looked 16 to me because you got a little bit of a baby face. You get the No Shave November going on right now. It's a little bit older, but at that point, that was not happening. Nope, haven't shaved in a week. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, I thought you were saying I didn't have facial hair. Now you're saying I do. You didn't though then. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. No, and I so, got facial hair when I was about 24. We were um, we were working on the theater, and he walked in and said, "Hey, man, can I throw a rap battle here?" And I was like, "Sure, as long as you tell me what a rap battle is." <laughs> and you pick up a hammer and to get some work done, and so he volunteered and uh, volunteered. I don't even I don't even think he qualified as volunteer, right? Because you're you no, were because compensation, you, but trade for work. Yeah, I, I think you battle. I think you had me and two friends work for about two and a half hours, and then let us throw a free event. And so for people far who from volunteering. are new to this and are unfamiliar with a rap battle. Give me a, give them a, a, just a brief picture of what, what that is. I, I always start with eight mile because that's the most familiar, like battle rap meme, most okay. widely known. Uh, they were freestyling. So they're making it up as they went Yeah, and they were rapping over instrumentals. They didn't get to know what instrumental they had ahead of time. Uh, but where it has evolved is now battle rap is almost entirely pre-written and almost entirely acapella. So now it's almost like a spoken word uh, kind of format, but I mean, it's it's still aggressive. It's still hip hop. It's still, um, you know, it doesn't have the same spirit of spoken word, but that's what you could compare it to. Like the spoken word version of 8 Mile is where battle rap is now. So like the big league is like King of the Dot. They're based out of Canada. The Dot is the nickname for Toronto where they started. So originally it was like, who's the king of Toronto? And now it's international. So, uh, yeah, if you want to look into it, King of the Dot. And, and just, you know, be aware uh, that if you're going to watch these battle rap videos, probably don't watch them at work with the volume on. Probably not safe for work no, sort of No, stuff. there's no problem. No, there's nothing inappropriate. Look up Disaster, D-I-Z-A-S-T-E-R, and there's, there will be nothing inappropriate about it. He's smiling real big, which means I think it's the opposite of what oh, it yeah. is. Yeah, disaster Every once in a while, a he'll send me some links to some videos uh, of, of of a rap battle that took place. And usually it's like people who are just awful. And oh, it's yeah, really embarrassing. Um, and what's, uh, what's, what's funny about it is kind of like, I, I liken it to a UFC fight where for five rounds of five minutes each, these two men or women kick the crap out of each other. And then as soon as the bell rings and it's over, they're hugging afterwards, being like, man, great fight, M- right. lots of respect. In these rap battles, they no holds barred. They talk about their mom. They talk about their weight. They talk about everything that they can think of that you'd be yeah. like, man, that feels off limits uh, in so many different ways. And then as soon as the yeah. bell rings and it's over, they're like, man, great job. You were like so creative, man. The way that you really told me that... Uh, <laughs> 
Yeah, we, we yeah, really I'm, the, do. I'm the ugliest person. So, uh, and in the social media age now, uh, it's not just like you have pimples, you're overweight. It's like, hey, I heard about what happened to your sister six years ago oh, because yeah. I'm on your Facebook. Or, yeah. you know, I mean, the level of personal that it can get now is, is crazy. So as soon as people know who they're battling against, they do like a deep dive on everything that they can think of. Oh, yeah. Like, how can I, he just, you know... He uh he went to Wendy's for lunch. How can I talk about Wendy's for lunch, man? Right. You know, and it's it's crazy. So and it's it's also like UFC in the sense that you can do whatever you want to do to win. So like you know, if you have really good ground game or really good uh, kickboxing, you can use that to win in UFC. And similarly, you can win a rap battle by being so much more likable or funny, or just uh, technically skilled at rapping, or have such like uh, impactful punchlines. Or, you know, be so creative or just be so loud. Your projection is so much better or just have so much more stage presence that they look small next to you. You know, there's so many different ways to be good at it. It's like UFC in that sense, too. And is it a crowd vote at the end or is it is there judge? Are there judges who are like, we're qualified to be able to tell you what's good and what's not good? Almost almost exclusively, there is neither because uh, it has become so subjective, like you could pair two guys together and one of them just goes completely comedy and the other one just goes completely, uh, they call them gun bars, which is just the most creative, poetic way you can possibly say, I'm going to shoot you, making all kinds of puns and references and stuff. So if you got somebody doing gun bars and somebody doing only comedy... How do you uh, judge? Judging it is yeah. just silly. So almost, I, I would say 90% of rap battles currently are not judged by the crowd or judges. And of the ones that are judged, it. yeah, we did it. Yeah. Just, everything's an exhibition because it. it's like it's so subjective. Yeah, got it. All right, um, this isn't a podcast about uh, that. I just found it interesting. Yeah, just a quick ten minutes on rap battles. Yeah, um, and <laughs> so if if someone was listening to this podcast and was like, "I'm interested, I'm intrigued," besides Eight Mile, which feels like a little bit like not as true to the source because it is a movie and it's still scripted. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So like, what would you? Where would they? What 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 would you send them? In like a, uh, in like a in like a semi safe. It's still this is a church podcast sort yeah. of you know, uh, sort of thing. In any any YouTube specific keywords to look for. Sure, there's one rap battle that is relatively mild, I think, in terms of content. <laughs> Some of them are just so insane. Like, yeah, but uh. This is going to be hard to spell. Big K, but okay. big with two Gs. Okay. So B-I-G-G space K versus Immaculate. Okay. So I-L-L, and then the rest of spelling yeah. matches the word Immaculate. Yeah. So Big K versus Immaculate is like uh, both of them just trying to be stylish. Uh, so they're not. there's not a lot of personal stuff. There's not a lot of like, it's not very hateful. It's more like I'm trying to outwrap you. Yeah. So that's where I would recommend somebody start. Good. All right. Good. Yeah. Uh, I brought Travis on, uh, one, because he's available and uh, and works here, but also because he is uh, a person that him and I have always uh, had really good, good deep conversations. Uh, we, we rarely have surface level. You're not into sports, so we don't like talking about the Seahawks. <laughs> Thank it's God. usually about life stuff and uh, conversations and personalities and, and the human personality and human experience. And uh, as we speak, we're recording this up in our podcast room, which has been kind of morphed into your podcast space as well. Mm -hmm. You host a podcast with your uh, brother, 
uh, Raleigh, and it is called, I'm blanking on the name as we speak. Night School. Night, Night School, School, that's Podcast. right, there we go. Yeah. Night School Podcast, um, where they each take kind of a, a book, typically like a metaphysical book, or what yeah. would you call it, like a spiritual book? What would you say? Yeah, metaphysical works great. Okay, metaphysical yeah. book. Uh, and uh, each of you read it and then discuss it publicly and then send it off and, and do that route. You've you've right. recorded how many of these now? 52. 52 of them. Uh, and so you came to me six months ago and said, hey, we record in this space. We've got this library that has been donated to us or uh, we are, uh, you know, what, what do you call it? Like we don't own it, but we're managers of it or get the... Yeah, it was like a, an inherited uh, yeah. library that two friends uh, next door who do business next door had and... They're like, well, we don't read them. They're taking up space, so we'll store them in the studio. You yep. guys will use them as resources. Our basement is cleared. They're still ours. Yeah. So great, great deal. It's a backdrop. Uh, you guys film your podcast, so that makes a little yeah. bit more sense to have this. We don't film it ours, but um, it's a big, two big, three big bookshelves of all kinds of crazy books that are yeah. that are great and inside. Going to get much bigger soon. Uh, and. Uh, when do you drop those? Are those just random? How do people engage in night school? And yeah, then... they're they're pretty sporadic. Like every week or every two weeks, we don't have a consistent schedule. But if you look up night school podcast, has three separate words. Uh, you can find it on all platforms. Okay, mainly YouTube is where people watch it, but it's on Spotify and Apple and all that too. Any particular and... favorite episodes to dive into? Uh, maybe probably Dude, one more recent. Definitely the latest episode. Uh, I have a mentor named John Roach who came on and did a book called Die Wise. And it's this sweeping diagnosis of the pathology around death and grief in North America, which I figure you'd be interested in because we just did a series about death. And, um, and the guy who wrote it is a social worker and chaplain. He runs a palliative care unit at a huge hospital. He's personally walked thousands of people to and through death. And <clears throat> he feels that the lack of initiation rituals and rites of passage in North America contributes to our fear of death because it has to do with our fear of isolation and transformation. So it's like, it's a religious book. It's a metaphysical book. It's a, it's a psychological book. It's a philosophical book. And John Roach is brilliant. He did an hour and a half presentation on his favorite insights from that. I would start with that one. So you look up, you, if you looked up Die Wise John Roach or Die Wise Night School, you could find that episode. Okay. Good. It's great. Yeah. Uh, so let's, uh, how was your week? Did you have a good week? I mean, we usually Absolutely. do like a little, little recap of things. Any, anything fun over the weekend? Yeah, dude, I had a great week. Um, I just started a new side gig because uh, I'm only like 20 hours a week here at Eastlake and Wearlove. So uh, I was doing yard work for somebody for a while. The job ended. And so uh, I just started working for a construction company and it feels good, man. It feels good, good to be back on a construction site. Get out working, swinging the hammer a little bit. Yeah, dude, it feels great. That's good. I like it. Yeah. Good. Uh, my daughter ended her uh, volleyball season. It's officially over mm. now, and uh, they lost the last game. So there you go. Another one of those. Just, you know, did, it's did a learning they experience. Lose, lose more or win more? Oh, lost way more. Oh Good for gosh. them. Yeah. Builds character. Learning experience. Yeah. <laughs> That's my right. favorite part of sports. I'm not into sports, but people losing things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, we did Halloween. <laughs> the reason Megan's not here is because uh, we couldn't record on Halloween because we opened up our building to the Uptown thing, and there was like, I don't know, 2,000 people that walked around, and we gave out a bunch of candy, and then we had a chance to go to a uh, uh, somebody's house sit out in the driveway with a fire pit. Some of our friends uh, were in a small group together, and uh, and every year we rotate. One year the guys, the dads will take out the kids to go do the stuff, but this year was the, the mom's year. And so the boys just got to sit around a campfire 
and drink a beer and, and hand out candy to all the other kids who showed up. It was nice. fantastic. So That's awesome. Was, That's a great day. It was day. a good year, other than it rained for like 10 minutes. But other than that, it was really great night, fun times. The kids had a great time. We got more candy in our house that we know what to do with. It's really, it's dangerous. It's not great. But Is there a bunch left over here too at the theater? Oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so we'll be using that find on it. Sundays for the kids. Yeah, exactly. Uh, did you as a kid, uh, when you did the Halloween thing, um, this is what my kids are doing now. They just dump it out and sort it. And then they get to pick one piece to eat for that evening. <laughs> Depends but if I was at dad's or mom's. They, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but they spend probably 20 minutes sorting and trading. And it's pointless <laughs> because it all goes back in the same bag. Late, like they all have three different bags or four different right. bags. But like the sorting piece, it's so funny to be like, you do that one time. Like the night of, you just want to see kind of like inventory where I stand on this, right. which is great. But they, it's that we're now on like day three of this, and this morning I woke up and the candy was all out sorted. They spent so much time doing it, and you're just like, I, it just it's it's really funny. It's, they're they're doing like yeah. a little. Is it called Deca Club where kids pretend to be little business people? They're, <laughs> yeah, they're doing like that. Home Deca Club. Yeah, yeah, I'll trade you this for this, and they have different <laughs> value systems for like you know Gobstoppers or with three Snickers bars. I don't know. Right. Um, oh, so. definitely not. Snickers is way better than Gobstoppers. Well, not uh, not if there's only like one package of Gobstoppers. It's it's the whole yeah. market rarity, right? Well, yeah, we only got one thing of Gobstoppers, so this is obviously worth more. See, you know I didn't I mean? do Deca Club, so I didn't consider that. <laughs> You're too busy rat battling. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Started like 17. There you go. There you go. All right. Um, so we just finished up a series on time. We did mm-hmm. part three this last weekend. And we can talk about a little bit about this series. Uh, but one of the books that was really informative, and I mentioned it, I think in weeks two and weeks three, about it was a book called How to Inhabit Time by James K.A. Smith, one of my favorite authors. He's written a book uh, on the journey or on the road with St. Augustine, which I love that one. You are what you love. Um, those are the two more accessible books that he's written. Um, and this one was very, very insightful. And you and I had a chance to drive to Portland uh, like a week ago and go listen to this guy live. Right. And uh, we had great conversations on the way over, really great conversations on the way back. There were things that we loved, didn't <laughs> love, all of that stuff, as you would probably find in any sort of speaker in moment yeah, like that. Yeah, of course, that. of course. But we were imposters completely because this was supposed to be a uh, Portland Church Pastors Network meeting and i got the link somehow i think through james k smith's own twitter page and he's like hey if you're in portland come see me and i'm like well kind of in portland i mean you know ish um and so we just showed up and everybody was like hey where what church do you pastor at and like east lake and they're like oh we haven't heard of that one dude <laughs> like, we came in because we're three hours away <laughs> neither of us were wearing beanies and as soon as we oh, walked in there we they were totally... like um yeah are you guys here to clean the bathrooms that we can you wait until after our event <laughs> Um, that's definitely what it felt like. We we uh, immediately we were sitting in the car watching people pull up, going, "We don't have flannel on, um, and we our jeans are not tight enough, and right. we don't have any beanies." And didn't drive a Subaru. Clearly, Eastsiders for sure. <laughs> but we survived. We did good. Yeah, it was fun. It was a fun trip. Yes, it was a fun <laughs> trip. Um, but the concept of of uh, I'd love to pick your brain on just the concept of of time, past, present and future orientation, right? Um, Because his big thesis behind it is you can't really truly live in the present until you figure out that you're a creature of time, you're a product of where you've come from. Right. But it's not, it doesn't just end there. You're also like where there's a future orientation. Where am I headed? What's my goal? Where where am I, 
what do I see? I've got this future self as well that's kind of like being I'm pull, I'm being pulled from the front end towards something. I'm not just being pushed at from behind. I'm also being pulled towards something. I know that my habits, um, uh, who I want to be, what my goals are in life, my desires, and, and um, my just trajectory of where I'm at is also kind of pulling me. And yet the decisions that I have to make are all completely in this present, but not right. in isolation in that way. Um, and, which was really, really insightful. This week specifically, um, we talked about uh, a little reading from Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and the first part of chapter 12, um, in which somebody who is along in their years is trying to explain the value of youth to somebody who is young, and that's just kind of a futile endeavor because we all sit there and we think we understand it when we don't. One of the illustrations um, that I used uh, this week, or in... in uh, in the second service, but not in the first, because it wasn't in my notes, but I felt like it was really, really good. Um, so if you were in the first service and are listening to this, this is all going to be new material to you. But um, I, I talked about how, as a parent, um, you've had people in your life constantly, and, and even James K. A. Smith did this in his talk on, on, on that day. Um, as a parent, when you're with, when you have young kids, life just feels a little bit like a train that's just going um, uncontrollably. And there's, they, everybody goes, Oh, there's a light at the end of the tunnel blink and it's over. You're in, you know, it's over faster than you think in the moment. It never feels like that. And yet the natural reaction is to be like, Oh yeah, totally. You know, I get it. But you also, it's like side eye wink to your spouse or whoever you're raising kids with. And you're like it, but it's, that's just not true. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? You go, it's not, it never feels, or maybe you're like massively in debt or whatever. And you're like, don't worry, this house will be paid off in 36 years. And you're like, sure it will. You know what I mean? Or car payment or whatever it is. Light at the end of the tunnel. And it's just never there. And, uh, and that's how we, you live in the moment of thinking that's never coming. That's not even, I, I know theoretically that's true, but it doesn't feel true to me. And then every once in a while, things will feel true. So I had a phone call with a uh, buddy of mine who is raising uh, twins. Him and his wife just had uh, twins a year and a half ago, maybe. And he answered the phone and I can just hear babies wailing in the back of both of them, just going, just trying to beat each other out in terms of volume. And then him saying, man, I, I got to call you back. It's crazy over here. My kid just you know, blue chunks all over the, all over the house. I'm like, yeah, dude, it gets better, bro. Don't worry about it. You know, hang up the phone and just me smiling, going, uh, make, uh, making a funny joke about it, but then also going, oh my God, I'm so thankful. I'm not changing diapers though. Like I, and I'm not like, my, my kids don't like necessarily blow chunks out all over the house, you know, or whatever, or probably once in a great while still. Yeah. I mean, that happens, but like when they do, you're like, what is happening? That's like such a weird offshoot. Not like, Oh, this is just, what is it? Thursday? Yeah. That's how it works. You know? Um, I think once you're out of it, you downplay how bad it was in the moment or I don't know, everything else just becomes like a little bit of a, a, a thing to, to get through or whatever. So, um, all that to say, uh, we do that. Jesus had a conversation with, conversation with his disciples, illustrating something along these lines, saying, there's so many things I wish I could tell you, but you just cannot bear it now. And thinking of, thinking through from my life, what is true? What is that? How is that true about me too? What is What are there things that Jesus would say, man, I'd love for you to get this, but you're not going to get it right now. And even if I told you, you wouldn't under, you'd say, oh, I totally get it, but you don't get it. You don't understand it truly, right? Yeah. Um, kind of like telling a parent, it's going to be long nights. And they're like, I know, I know it's going to be tough. You don't really understand what long nights feel like until you have that. Or I'm using lots of parenting illustrations, but 
plug it in with whatever you want to do, right? Um, this job's going to be a lot of hours. It's going to drain you. Oh, I know. I can't wait. And you're like, no, you don't even know what that feels like to wake up the next morning and be like, oh my God, I got to do this again, right? I'm hitting the whatever. Um, so yeah, uh, Jesus having this conversation with them, in, in, a, in a sense, I read this as myself, and then what are my options then moving forward? And I go, all right, my future self is reminding me that uh, I don't know everything that I need to know. Beca- how do I know that? Because my current self r- thinks about my past self and says that that's true. I said something that I thought I knew, but I didn't really know it until I'm now in my present, I do. I have to assume that my future self is saying that same thing about me. And so then mm-hmm. I hold things, things that I think are true and with an open hand going, this is what I lean towards, this is what I'm guessing at, but I don't know for sure. Um, humility and then discernment uh, moving forward because Jesus doesn't end the conversation there with his disciples. He begins to say, I wish I, wish I could tell you these things, but I can't because you just wouldn't be able to bear them now. But in my absence, I'm leaving behind a spirit and that spirit's going to guide you into all truth, which I believe is the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of every believer and moving forward. So... Um, Thoughts on that? I mean, what were some of your takeaways? You were there on Sunday morning, you sat through this, you sat mm-hmm. through James K. Smith's lecture, which is basically the book in a nutshell, uh, in a two-hour presentation, he walked through most of the essence of it. What were some of your takeaways that were that were insightful for you or helpful in your arena of life? Well, James K. Smith is a culture critic and philosopher, yeah. so there's a, there's a difference between being in that role and being in your role, because... Correct. Your job is to say something practical and grounded in the way of Jesus every single Sunday. And his job is to notice something about culture and then spitball about it out loud. Yep. And, if he, and if he's interesting enough, then when he spitballs about it, people will show up and pay and watch it like we did. Um, what he was saying about time is that, and, and the limitation of being a human creature, is that humans sometimes overestimate their ability to think from the perspective of the eternal and underestimate how much they're impacted by their culture, cultural and historical context. So he was trying to say, um, like when you make a, a political statement, for example, make sure that you're grounded in the present reality that you're experiencing in your culture, in your time, that you don't just throw out uh, general value statements that you think could work for all of eternity because the best thing that you could say and do where you're at in life is for where you're at in life. And he was saying that life goes through different seasons. And so when human beings try to pretend that they can think from the eternal perspective, they're playing God and their speech and their conduct becomes less relevant and useful in their actual life. I think that's what he was pointing out. Um, and we also at Eastlake for the past three, the three week series, right, mm-hmm. have been just generally grappling with what it means to be a creature embedded in time. That seems like the, the running theme, right? Yep. And I think... Um, that it seems to, it seems to me that our goal is to realize and accept that we are embedded in time and have a limited perspective, yet also strive to have as eternal a perspective as possible. Because that to me is in a sense what spiritual formation is, is like, allow me to act right now with the people that I'm with and the community that I'm in in the best way possible, the most Christ-like way possible by giving me a perspective that's grounded in the eternal because to me, that's the point of Ecclesiastes. So what Solomon is saying is, I've had everything, I've done everything, it all goes away, and my attachment to each thing that I've indulged in has always resulted in me being depressed afterwards. So, But his point isn't just to say uh, that if you 
enjoy things and get attached to things, then you're going to be depressed in the end. He is also implying a deeper way to experience life that won't result in that cycle of attachment, depression, attachment, depression, attachment, depression. Um, so like to connect this to a Jesus line real quick, Jesus tells somebody to drop everything and follow him. And to me, what a line like that means is don't be psychologically attached to anything but that which is eternal, because then you have freedom. So it says, if you believe in me, you'll never die. As in, if you're attached to that which is eternal, you are never going to have to experience separation from something you're dependent on. And like to make that more practical, if you have a, a little kid who's like eating a sucker and they drop their sucker and they just weep and weep and weep because that that's that was it to them, that was God to them, was that sucker for that 10 minutes that they had it, um, you'll notice they could have enjoyed the sucker more and avoided experiencing suffering when they dropped it if they had been less attached to the sucker. So then that person, you know, grows up and gets a job and now they're attached to their job. They lose their job and now they're depressed again. And part of the reason they're depressed, or this this applies more when a relationship ends, part of the reason you're depressed when something ends is you realize that you didn't know it was going to end while you were experiencing it. So mm -hmm. you didn't experience it with your full attention because you thought you'd always have it. Mm -hmm. So it's like, the little kid version is don't be attached to that sucker. Experience that sucker with your full mindfulness because it's going to be gone in 10 minutes, whether you drop it or finish it, it's going to be gone. And, but it's not just suckers that drop on the ground. Houses burn down, spouses pass away. Everything that we're attached to will be gone one day. And I think that Solomon was saying, I invite you to embrace loss and detachment on the level that I have had to through my experience. Learn this through me. So, if you aren't attached to lust, for example, you can just be content in your relationship without feeling like you need to go out and do something else. You're like, oh yeah, this is my wife. My wife is going to die one day. I appreciate my wife every single day. Um, and so like when it comes to time, that's the thing that I've been contemplating that I feel has been missing from the conversation um, here and at the James K.A. Smith thing is like, yeah, we are creatures embedded in time. But the point of realizing that we're creatures embedded in time is so that we can take on a perspective that's more eternal and more godlike. Because if the only thing we were ultimately attached to was God, then everything that we enjoyed in our life, we would give our full attention to because we'd be fully aware that it's temporal. Um, and every time something ended, we'd be like, yeah, I knew that was going to happen. Like, yeah. Yeah, I, I knew. I was watching that show for 30 minutes. It's, you know, I don't cry when the show's over. I knew the whole time that it was going to end. Yeah. That's why I watched it because... You know, I only had 30 minutes, so I did that. You turn on a show and you think the show's going to be on forever and it ends in 30 minutes. You'll be like, what? I didn't know that was going to end. I was texting through the whole thing. Where did it go? Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Yeah. And so that was left out of the James K.A. Smith presentation was like, aren't we trying to take on an eternal perspective? Because if, if believing in Jesus results in never dying, that's what that means to me. Psychologically, spiritually, if the only thing that you're attached to is God, then you won't have to suffer when things end and you can actually be more mindful. Um, so the last thought is there, there is this old Egyptian idea. Um, it's uh, Isis and Osiris. I get the names mixed up, so I don't remember which one is which, but the doctrine is basically that uh, one of the, one of them is the creature that acts in the world. And the other one is the eye that sees all. And the goal of this mythology was to teach people to be in a state that is simultaneously mindful and transcended. So 
You are fully mindful in the moment because you're grounded in the eternal, knowing that it's all temporary. So that that's like what I'm striving to take on in my perspective in time. Can I be more grounded in the eternal so that I am more present and more aware that I and everything around me is temporary? Yeah, I like it. I like it. I, I What came to mind is a cartoon. I think it was Farsight or something like that with a kid who has a balloon and they lose the balloon and just as an emotional wreck. Mm-hmm. And the, the adult figure in the, in the, in the cartoon is like, what a ridiculous kid. And then this person like loses their job or somebody breaks up with them. And he's like, he's, he's brokenhearted. And like, it's the irony of we have this attachment where we put too much weight into things. And when they're gone, then we're like, well, you know, we, we, we devalue it in the eye in in our perspective of what other people are going through like we and we we can't carry that into ourselves we give ourselves way more grace than we do in that way because yeah, of course we, we struggle with loss and we put way too much weight and stuff because we don't see it from the eternal perspective right no i think it's a really good point i think that that's um uh that's probably why we do the podcast to add things like that in where you're like is this a, is this a fully encompassing series I mean, we try and do that, but like every once in a while, there's like cool little tangents. We got to go, hey, what about this? This is a good spot for it too, right? Well, we talked very briefly yesterday about how uh, the Christian worldview is a holistic constellation of truths. And anytime you teach, you emphasize a part of that constellation. You go, hey, we're temporary creatures embedded in time. And then on the opposite end of the constellation, there's that idea that says, we are made in the image of something eternal and are striving to take on that eternal perspective so that we can love and experience in the way that Jesus did. And yeah. it's like, those are both in the constellation. You can only, you can only emphasize one piece at a time. Yeah. Like you're never going to be like, all right, here's every piece of it. As I'm looking at this one, all of this goes into the periphery, which is I can yeah. still see it. I can still focus some attention. I can still shift my focus there if I needed to, or I know that it exists there, but yeah. I'm not like looking straight at it. Right. So it's not as... But I ha- that's how you have to look. That's, how, that's right. how you have to see things. Of course. So all about focus in that way. And there's like the the one of the reasons I'm a, a big supporter of and and participant in meditation is that meditation to me is the practice of putting everything down. So can I put down my social role, my age, my gender, my name, all identities, everything that I'm doing for the day? Can I set all of it down for 20 minutes? And I think that's also a way of practicing uh, death. Like, it's a little rehearsal. Like, what? how will I feel if I have to put everything down? Will I go, will I do that kicking and screaming? Yeah. Or will I just set it down? And it feels like a kind of death to do it. Sometimes it's stressful and anxiety provoking. Like, I can't put down my face and my body and my house and just close my eyes and go so far within that... I'm nothing for that moment, and it feels anxiety-provoking. Like, no, 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 I can feel myself attaching and wanting to come out of meditation. And, no, I'm Travis. This is what I am. Fundamentally, I'm Travis Rybarski. This is it. Yeah. Um, But every time I do it, I come out and am more comfortable being me, more comfortable in my body, more comfortable in my mind, more comfortable in my house, uh, more aware of what my role is because when you take a break from being your role, you, you see it from another perspective and you go, okay, I am made with this gift and in this place and at this time so that I can contribute exactly this to the world. When you put it all down and then pick it back up, you can see it more clearly. Yeah. And that to me, the reason that I was reminded to give my, my little meditation soapbox is because you said, 
in the constellation of truths. You can only look at one part at a time. But I want to just imply that there's something about meditation that does allow you to see the whole thing at once. Not yeah, in that, a way that you could describe, yeah. but that you can witness. Oh, there's truth itself, not just a individual truth, you know? Yeah. And that meditation piece that was a term that I used in the discernment part of it, which, yeah. which was trying to make sense of this, trying to allow myself the space to be quiet enough in my life to be able to hear uh, the voice or the movement of God's Spirit in my life, right? Through yeah. prayer, through something, through meditation, through something. And, and it does, it, it will involve a introspective quietening quieting of myself to be able to make that happen. Because it's, it's not, like there are times when for me, um, my quiet time or my, I don't know, whatever you want to call, like I'm trying to focus is going to be, I throw on some worship music, I do that. Then there's other times where I'm like, I gotta like, I need to get quiet. I need to go, I need to get into an isolation of of my mind and allow that to kind of work in that way. Practically speaking, right. you mentioned a, a meditation as a practice for you. What does that look like? like give, give people, is it morning, evenings? Uh, where, how long, uh, you know, what, what are some processes for you? I know you've, you're like doing some school on this stuff too. So like you're into this kind of thing uh, yeah, in, yeah. in a big way. So um, while you're here on this podcast, give us some insights. So the, it's, it's hard to just sit down and experience internal silence because you have already programmed yourself through your actions over time to have the habit of thinking constantly. <laughs> so you can't just randomly oh, grab stop by the bank and grab the mail on the way home. And right. <laughs> Yeah, and that's a really productive way to program yourself. Yeah. Like you, you know, you don't have to wake up in the morning and figure out how to be a dad again. You just do all the dad stuff. Um, but how do you put down being a dad for for twenty minutes? And that's what the time is for me. Is usually twenty. Um, when I first started, maybe ten or fifteen, and then it became easier. And now, there, once in a while, this happens more when I skip it for a few days. But sometimes I'll meditate now for like an hour or an hour and a half, and. I've noticed that the more I meditate, the easier it is to do. Um, and the point of having a meditation technique is that it's hard to just tell yourself to be silent, but there are tricks that you can use. You can trick your attention into turning to a single object of focus. And then when all of your attention is on a single object of focus, silence is naturally the result of that. Um, you want to choose an object of focus that's less complex than something like a full scripture, for example, like uh, reading one sentence of scripture for 30 minutes over and over and over again. That's contemplation, but it's not meditation because it doesn't result in silence. It always results in thinking about that thing. Contemplation is a great thing to do, too. But um, what the, the way that I meditate, what it looks like is I use a mantra the mantra is always either two or three syllables because it's just a good length to where it's long enough to uh, get stuck in my head like a song, but it's short enough that it's so simple I don't have to think about it. It's about two or three syllables. And I will chant that mantra out loud until I feel myself diving into a more internal mode. And then I switch from doing it out loud to just doing it in my head. Once I start doing it in my head, it gets quieter and quieter, subtler and subtler until I can barely hear it, yet my whole attention is on it, and then it vanishes and I experience silence. So I learned that technique from transcendental meditation, it, and that's a meditation technique focused on yoga philosophy. 
but I wanted to understand uh, consciousness studies and what silence is and what meditation is. So I did an undergrad that I'm wrapping up in like a month um, on consciousness and human potential. And that's where I learned that technique. Um, then I adapted that technology, that way of tricking the attention uh, to my own life and my own religious practice by combining it with the teachings of Neil Douglas Klotz, who is an expert on spiritual practice and the Aramaic language. So he's going through the Aramaic Peshitta version of the Bible and plucking out words that Jesus personally used according to that version of the Bible, um, which is debated by scholars today, and then building meditations based on them. So I took what I learned in transcendental meditation and the word for God in Aramaic, which is abun, and I do that meditation with that word. Um, one of the things I think is really interesting about that word abun is, well, even if Jesus didn't personally use it, because the Peshitta versions are an early translation from Greek to Aramaic, as some scholars argue, it still is likely that Jesus personally used that word because that was the word for God and he did speak Aramaic. So... Right. For like a history standpoint, that was the marketplace yeah. language of the day. Uh, right. Everything in writing was in Greek, but you spoke it in Aramaic, which is kind of different for us. We speak and write in the same language, but it was right. not as the same there. And not everything... Aramaic was also a written language. Correct. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. The, that was the formal legal... Uh, anything that was supposed to be formal or legal was typically written yeah. in Greek. And then exactly. if you were writing a note about like, don't, you know, a to-do list or groceries, you would write it in the Aramaic. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, um, right. So according to proponents of the Aramaic Peshitta version of the Bible, who still are in like Syriac, which is a dialect of Aramaic speaking communities, they say, no, the words were recorded in Aramaic and then were translated to Greek. So this is better, whatever. I don't really care about that argument because Abun probably came out of Jesus's mouth. And so using that word makes me feel connected to Jesus, the historical figure and Christ, the spirit that animated Jesus. Um, it's me trying to get into step with Jesus, try to feel Jesus by using a word that he probably used. And I find it really interesting that that word, Avun, is very similar to, you know, the classic like Buddhist and Hindu thing, Om? Yep. So it's, it's actually spelled A-U-M and it's actually pronounced Avum. Yeah. They call that like the three primordial sounds, like according to Eastern sound science, the universe coming into existence actually sounds like something and that's literally the sound. So they would argue that's why A is the first letter of so many alphabets is because ah is actually the sound of the universe coming into being. Who knows? But Abun, the way it's chanted is Abun. So it sounds very similar, which I think is so fascinating. And um, so that's, that's what it looks like. I know what what abu and n mean in the Aramaic, so I'm partially contemplating what it means in the beginning. I know that Jesus said it, so I'm trying to step into life with Jesus by repeating it. I know that if I turn my full attention to that word, I will break through it and experience that transcendent silence. Um, and I'm trying to get to a place where it doesn't feel like I'm trying to repeat the mantra, but that that's just what my breath sounds like. That's the goal. Once I turn inward with it, my inhale sounds like ah, and it's just effortlessly coming in and out. And it's not three separate sounds, but one sound that transforms. So you gradually go from the ah, 
rather than like three abutin syllables. Yeah. So that's what it looks like now. 20 minute practice, chanting out loud and then turning it within. And uh, it, it makes me really freaking happy. Yeah, it makes good. like works for you, right? Oh yeah, dude. It's great. It works for me. So one of the things uh, that at the very beginning of the year we, you know, I was being challenged with was just even my own prayer time. It feels weird to like schedule in a prayer time, but I'm I'm realizing if I don't do that and if I don't plan for it, and if I don't do, it's not going to happen, you know. So we started doing these dwell nights once a month on the first Wednesday of each month. Tonight is supposed to be one. We've got a little. We've got. Uh, somebody in the building doing some things tonight, so we could, we had to bail for this month. But um, we, you know, my prayer time during that hour changes. Like as the evening goes on, for me, like we play some music in there, we have some candles, we do some stuff like that. But I'll start off by verbally talking and praying and doing that, and maybe singing some of the stuff if I know the song, if I happen to know the song. And then at some point, I just find myself not talking and just thinking and allowing that to kind of. Pro- and, and then I'll be like. Then I'll then I'll look up and I'll be like, oh my gosh, we're forty minutes in. Like yeah. I don't even know where the time goes and something like that. That's awesome. And I always feel refreshed on on on, and that's how it has played out for me a lot of times. Um, and uh, you know, it's it's a good. I feel like I get mental work done. I do think it's a battle sometimes early on because I w- my mind will shift to things that I need to get done or or um, you know play replaying. Um, things in my head, um, or, you know, looking ahead to, uh, the next day or, or, you know, whatever. And I'll have to be like, no, 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 stop, stop, stop. Just focus just in the moment. Right. And, and, and then what do you use as your focal point? What do you invite your attention to turn back to? And how do you conceptualize that? Um, yeah. Um, I don't have like a, a phrase that I do and that's not, that's not me, but, um, or, or even a concept, like I'm going to turn my attention back to, trying to receive what the Holy Spirit has to say. Like, is there any kind of concept like that that you use to reorient yourself? Yeah. Um, I have, I provide uh, at Dwell is a, uh, like a Lord's Prayer breakdown. Um, Mm. And it's not that you would recite the Lord's Prayer per se, but in the Lord's Prayer, there is a a four-part a four-piece sort of thing. This is he's, when he's meeting with the disciples, both in Matthew chapter five and Luke chapter nine. He says, "This is how this is how you should pray. This is the common thing." And the church adapted that as a prayer early on. And, and there's at the very beginning, it's uh, "Our Father who art in heaven," right? Glorification uh, that piece. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. That will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. So sustenance or sustainment piece. So mm-hmm. um, that's a, a piece. I only need what what's food for today. Um, forgive me my debts as I forgive uh, those who have sinned against me. So it's like this confession piece. I'm also, I'm leading into here's where I'm, I've messed up and broken and uh, forgive me for that. And then uh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for that is the kingdom and the glory, uh, and the glory and the power forever. Amen. That last piece was added on by the church. That, that wasn't, that doesn't show up in scripture, but hmm. um, then you've got this like sort of request, lead me not into temptation. I'm asking something of him to be able to do this. Right. Yeah. And so glorification, Thankfulness or supplication for sustainment, um, confession, and then uh, request for for things, and and then Jesus in his retelling we studied this morning in my men's group, and uh, that Luke nine one he talks about um, the the request like don't feel bad about asking or or being persistent in your request. He says he uses this illustr- Jesus tells this illustration about imagine you had a friend who come comes over. And knocks and says, "Hey, I need some bread. I've got some visitors coming into town." And you saying, uh, "Dude, I'm already in bed. We're asleep. Sorry." 
and he goes, at some point you get up and give it to him, not because of, you don't do it out of your friendship. You do it because he won't stop knocking until you do it. So he's like, you're, you eventually, are, it's, that, it's that persistence. And in the same way, like God welcomes this persistence. He welcomes this invitation to go through this process to, and to ask, and you might not get what you want. And that's not, it's not a vending machine sort of thing, but that kind of process of, I know in my life, if I can spend time glorifying, um, supplication, thankfulness, being, you know, the season of gratitude, um, and confession, and then requests, I think that's a, a good mode for me to kind of m- yeah. move myself through. So, so you do like a Lord's Prayer contemplation. Yeah, I would, I, I would maybe say that phrase, say the verse, part of that verse that I know, and yeah. then I'd go into what does glorification mean for me? What, what, what do I mean when I say, God, to you be the glory? Like, what what pro like what expand upon that talk about that so i'll I'll, I'll go through that or what does it mean to be thankful for what am i thankful for right now i spend time thankful for my family thankful for this church i'm thankful for my friends i'm thankful for that piece and then i when i finally get and then then the confession piece is typically the longest one right because you've got the most things to talk about (laughs) uh here's where i suck where do i stop when do i end and then you know we finally get to that spot where we're like Here's what I need from you. I need yeah. peace in my life. I need I need this. I need I need tangible things sometimes, right? I need a little bit of a breakthrough in this relationship or this thing. Or I'd like to see some success or some a payoff for all of the efforts in area X or something like that. You know what I mean? So right. that's been the, the process. But when I uh, started, I had I had some kind of encounter with Jesus when I was uh, it was 2018, early 2018. Uh, a very inspiring daydream or a vision of Jesus, something like that. It's like an, a, a personal spiritual experience that I was extremely compelled to act on. And uh, the first thing I did was learn the Lord's Prayer in the language that Jesus spoke. And that's where I got that word from. In in Aramaic, the first word of the Lord's Prayer is abun. Um, and so it was a book called Prayers of the Cosmos by Neil Douglas Klotz was where I got that from. And... Uh, now he dropped a new book called Revelations of the Aramaic Jesus that has, it's kind of his masterpiece, like it summarizes all of his work. He just put out that book like last month. Um, but I do something similar. I do a, a hippie version of what you just said, because sometimes I'll take the whole Aramaic Lord's Prayer and I recite each one internally. And at the same time, I'm using visualization to see myself transforming in the way that that line invites me to transform. So I studied um, hypnotherapy at a couple different schools, and I didn't finish either of those programs because I decided it wasn't for me exactly. But one thing I learned was that visualization creates transformation, and I think there's warnings about that in Christianity, like, hey, you picture something long enough, you're going to become the person who is actually like that. So it's a sin in your imagination, too. Your visualization is real and powerful. And um, so I've done like a Actually, on the Night School podcast, if someone's interested in seeing that, I have a an episode called uh, How to Experience the Lord's Prayer in Visualization or How to Visualize the Original Lord's Prayer or something like that. It's like four or five episodes back um, where I explain how to do that practice and break down the whole Aramaic version. But if you think the Aramaic Peshitta version is crap, then my bad, I'm wrong. Don't listen to that. <laughs> I don't really care about that whole argument, but uh, it's a great spiritual practice yeah. for me. There you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And if the prayer tool that I mentioned about that we uh, uh, put out at Dwell is of interest to you as well, I uh, 
like reach out to me and I can definitely get you a copy. We've got them printed off in the office too. So awesome. When's Good. the next 12? Is that going to be next weekend or next week? Um, we, we're going to look, uh, the problem that we are running into is this is like our busiest season uh, at the theater. It's like crazy busy from here through the end of the year. Right. Um, because we've got like two theater productions that are both like full week length of production material, but then also dress rehearsals and tryouts and, and everything else. And so, and then Christmas parties galore starting in December. Um, yep. I just signed three contracts yesterday for everybody. And this is about the time when some businesses go, crap, we got to do a company party. Is anything right. available? <laughs> We're like, oh man, like the I'm one of the second, tech guys here. So December is going to be good yeah, for me. Like the second Tuesday from like 12 to two is available. <laughs> it's like, it's really hard. <laughs> um, and Oops. so, uh, Anyways, it's we're, I want to try and get we'll we'll get it rescheduled and get something up and going again, um, and we'll get the word out on it. We but I really liked the dwell thing. We'll continue it for next year. I'm I'm assuming. Um, so keep if you're not a part of that group already, not a part of that mailing list, and would like to be interested or interested in getting that heads up and notices on those. Um, if you go to the marketplace page, uh, there's a dwell group in there. You can sign up and get all the notifications for that. So good. All right. Um, well, let's close this out with our something interesting. Anything interesting that you've been uh, watching, reading, and uh, or experiencing, or or what do you got? You go. Yeah, you dude. Go first. My my Halloween movie this year was Shutter Island, and I think everybody oh, has man. seen that, but me. It's great. But uh, I was so convinced that the twist was one thing until the last like ten minutes, and it was so much fun to be wrong. Nice, dope movie. That's probably my top three. So that was pretty. And exciting. you didn't know nobody squealed the 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 story about it, huh? No, dude. I've had such good luck with good. that recently. Just going into movies blind, like uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. I had a coworker tell me, "Just go see that movie. Don't even watch the trailer." That was the best advice ever. So I I think I'm done with trailers and spoilers and previews and the whole thing. Yeah, I'm just dude. Watch movies. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, we were at the campfire the other night when we were sitting around there just talking. One of the things came up about twists in movies, and we began to talk about, um, or shows in general too, right? I think somebody's just finished Andor, and there's like a miniature twist of that one or something like that. So, yeah, we got going. Oh man, could you imagine being able to watch Sixth Sense from the very beginning? Like that's the, what's one of the cool things about raising kids is yeah. my kids have not seen that yet, so I get to watch that with London at some point through her eyes and see, and I'll just be like the whole time, be like as it's happening watching her watching it you know like ah, right. is she getting it yeah or you know whatever so jared was doing that my roommate who's also another tech guy here at the theater uh jared was doing that and he was watching me like react and he thought throughout the whole thing that i was getting the twist but i was just convinced that i had got the twist what and was, i turned what out was to be uh, i don't even know if you want to say it i guess the movie's so old you're pretty well, unique. no i i can say i can say uh, enough to explain my experience without giving it away okay. so you're you're watching a movie where a guy is uh, investigating a mental hospital, and you're not quite sure if he is in the right or the wrong. And the whole time it was like, oh, it looks like he's in the right, so I know he's in the wrong for sure, wrong or wrong. And then it turned out to be the opposite. So I'm not going to say if he was the right or wrong, but just I was very convinced it was one and it was the other. Yeah. And oh, so man, Jared, just you talking about it makes me want to rewatch that movie because I it enjoyed is a it so much. Fun movie, bro. especially right it's at the a end. Roller coaster. Right at the end, oh, when he just decides, right? Yeah, because you get the twist at the end, and then they just kind of they kind of just hit you with it again, and you're just like, it's 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 honestly heartbreaking. I think, let's talk about it because it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, hey, listen, if you haven't seen Shutter Island, yeah, shut, then maybe shut, shut this, the, off. this off at this point, right? <laughs> there you go. That's um, fair. 
But he recognizes, he realizes in that moment, I'm the crazy one. Yeah. I'm crazy. And then he goes... He wasn't investigating a mental hospital. He was a patient in a mental hospital. They were playing along with him. Yeah. And he just dives back into it. And, and they were like, yeah. oh, dude, that's so good. It, it, it was the same sort of moment where like you left wanting to be like, all right, well, now we got to talk about this for an hour. Yeah. In the same way that... Did, did you watch Inception? I don't, I don't want to spoil Inception uh, I, for you. I didn't get Inception. I think I've half watched it a couple of times and been like, yeah, I'm not, I don't think I get it. So oh, I'll have to rewatch it like all the way through and really oh, okay. get into it. Well, I can't really discuss it then. I found it boring. But I mean, oh, it seems what? like the kind of movie that I would like. That right? was a great movie. Are you kidding Dude, me? Dude, I will absolutely, if you're so insistent, okay. I will rewatch it all yeah. the way through and get Go it. Go through from the front to the back. Stay off your phone. Be focused in the moment. We just talked about this. Have an internal perspective when watching Inception. Right. Um, and the very ending piece has the, a similar sort of thing of it could go one way or the other. And just the way that it goes, you're like, oh, man, I wonder if, you know, you could play out. It, just based on who's watching it and their personalities, one person could watch it and be like, this is what I think happened. And the other person yeah. goes, "This, well, th that's crazy. This is what I think happened. Nice. And neither's wrong and neither's really truly right. I mean, right. The, Christopher Nolan's brilliant and leaves it open for, open for interpretation, which is always good. So when in Shutter Island, the psychiatrist, the head of the hospital, was giving pills to the main character, I was thinking he was slowly turning him into a mental patient. Yeah. And that that was this crazy government operation covering up what he was trying to investigate. Yeah. Because I love conspiracy theories, which you'll find out if you go on night school. And so <laughs> I was like, true. I thought it was just the dopest conspiracy movie. And so as I was reacting to him giving the pills, I was like, no, 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 as he's giving the pills. And Jared's watching me and thinking that I'm realizing that the guy is actually a mental patient who needs those pills. And that's why he's taking them from the doctor. And so I was right that they weren't aspirin. Yeah. Uh, but I was completely wrong about the scene. So Jared's watching me like, oh, he gets it. He gets it. Oh, man. And then when he turned out to be a mental patient, I was just like, what? I didn't get it. Yeah. <laughs> I had not Didn't get it. it. <laughs> oh, that's so good, man. Good. Uh, well, my thing is I'm getting excited. World Cup is about to uh, begin. We're about 20 days away from the... <sighs> nope. Four, every four years. And I've never been more into soccer than I am right now. I'm super excited to watch all these players go. And I just think the... the uh, you watch the Olympics and you, um, you're you excited for countries and you're excited to watch all these people represent like the allegiance to their country. Yeah. And it's on a whole different level when it comes to soccer. It's the biggest sport in the world, and it's got the most dedicated fans. And uh, you would have to be, um, I don't know, com completely immune to emotion not to watch one of these teams, their country. Like, like there's going to be some close matches. There's going to be some upsets. And to watch these people like be like, this is my freaking country. Our, our, our uh, uh, what do they call it? The... Um, the, how much money are what's, what's the grant what's, what's the term for how much money our country produces what's gdp the, gdp yeah thank you the, our gdp is dwarfed by you and we just kicked your butt in soccer you know what yeah, i mean like that's really sick yeah it's like all of a sudden uruguay can be like a, a powerhouse you're like uruguay's not a powerhouse in anything what are you talking about yeah well in soccer they are so anyways that's really i i appreciate that i could get into that yeah exactly that's pretty cool 20 days away uh and there are some games that are being played here in the u.s so check that out but um i'll put 10 bucks against you on a game so i can get into it uh yeah well I'm, I'm playing with house money because you and i had a 
a bet the other day about the temperature in the main right. theater. And I was like, bro, I live in this office. I look at this thermostat every day. It's 68 degrees in there. I, I said, said it was 47. It was actually 51. You said 51. 65. You said 65. I said, no, 68. And we walked in and what was it? It was 68. 68 on the freaking money. Yeah, on the dot. And you Venmoed, like a, like a gentleman, you Venmoed yeah. me that money or cash after to me immediately. You owe me a coffee because graffiti didn't appear in the back corner within oh. four weeks after I painted it. I do, it. yeah. And I paid you even though you're in debt to me. Yeah, I owe you a coffee. All right. Let's go, let's go do that. Yeah, I'll make it for you downstairs. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming. Hey, uh, this Friday, um, if you're listening to this and it's before Friday, we'd love to have you come out for a uh, trivia night here at the theater. Kylie and I are putting it on and uh, it's a free event. It's just to come. If you're looking for a date night, we got childcare covered and we're going to have some fun in the theater. We'd love to have you out. You can go to eastlaketricities.com slash marketplace to get more details on that or just show up at the theater on 630 at 630 on Friday and we'll make it happen. We're I'll be the off. tech guy. We're playing all dubstep. <laughs> yeah he's gonna be battle rapping in the back it's gonna be great <laughs> come come ready to battle rap travis he'll do it on the fly but you can come prepared he doesn't know who he's battling but you know about him and you can scope him out <laughs> on all the social media and get all the dirt it'd be great it'd be awesome i still think he'd work me but all right uh that'll do it have a great week guys see you